A little bit about myself. Uh, My name is Brian Lenny. I am a former youth pastor turned church planner as of this month. Uh, I was at a church down in in Sierra Madre in uh, Los Angeles County, California, obviously. I was there for three years, and we just moved up to my wife and my children. We just moved up to Nampa, Idaho to pursue church planning. with the uh, Acts 29 network, if you guys are familiar with that. Um, so that's where I'm at. That's what we're doing. I think it was uh, C.J. Mahaney who said, you guys have seen uh, a lot of concords take off here, meaning a lot of, a lot of the speakers and a, and a lot of the talks have been amazing, like a concord taking off. And uh, I'm just going to be like a Cessna trying to get off the ground little bit out of my element, but I think, I think it's okay, and I think uh, I do have a story that you guys will benefit from. As soon as my, as soon as I pull it up in about 10 seconds here. So I'm going to be talking about my experience with the insider movement in the local church. Uh, here we go. It is pulling up, and it's not, an a- it's not a Mac, I hope that's okay, because I know it looks cool when you have a computer to have the Apple logo, but Erica actually drew me one, but I forgot to tape it on there, so, yeah, <laughs> I think I might have to buy one soon, this, thing's on, this thing is on its way out, it's pretty old, so it's pulling up, please forgive me for that. Well, anyway, I can, just, I can just tell you how this thing starts out, and hopefully the notes will, will come up if this thing doesn't completely break. Okay, here we go. Um, so, yeah. Okay, did that, did that. So, last, or was that this year, Josh, where you had your class? Is that this year? Gosh. That was this year. So, this year, um, uh, Josh, Josh Lingell taught... Or he might have taught at my church last year, but anyway, starting off, Josh taught at my church, my former church I was at in Los Angeles. We had an adult uh, Bible fellowship, like an adult Sunday school class, and Josh was asked by a member of our church to come teach on Islam for, I think it was four weeks. Um, I didn't attend that because I didn't know he was teaching. It wasn't advertised very well. I don't think it was intentional, but I would have attended if... if, uh, I would have known Josh was, Josh was teaching because Islam uh, was something that intrigued me. So after Josh taught at my church, I soon found myself being a part of uh, an email exchange between our elder board and the other pastors at our church and a few of our church members who were in that class. And there was a lot of, not a lot, there was only actually a few people at our church who were very unhappy uh, with what Josh taught there at, at our church. Um, Apparently, Josh was met with very strong verbal opposition uh, and antagonism from one of our missionaries who happens to be a very, very strong advocate for the insider movement, both herself and her husband, um, who go to our church. So we'll just call them Mr. and Mrs. L. Um, You guys can, if you do your homework, you can probably figure out who it is if you want to, but it doesn't really matter. So Mr. L emailed our elders and pastors um, I got a lot of these emails. They, they said, yeah, go ahead. There was actually an ovation. People were very excited about it. It was just one or two people that were in the crowd that were not excited about the stuff. Yeah. 
yeah. I, lit, I, I, when I said there was only a few who didn't like him, I meant literally a few, like one couple. Um, so what happened is th- this couple, Mr. and Mrs. L, uh, missionaries at our church who um, are strong advocates for the insider movement, started emailing the pastoral board, the other, this nasty email stuff saying, Josh doesn't love Muslims. Josh should never teach at our church. His approach is horrible. It's not loving. It's not gracious. And he doesn't really love Muslims, so don't let him teach at our church again. So imagine uh, my interest, never heard, I haven't heard of the insider movement until then. Imagine my interest when I found out that uh, I, I just signed up for Josh's course at Biola on Christian apologetics to Islam. And I was like, wow, that's the same guy, that's the same guy teaching my course. So I was like, okay, well, I'll tell you if he love, loves Muslims at the end. So, um, so I, so I uh, just finished my, my MA at uh, Christian Apologetics at Biola this year, um, and it was in Josh's class that I became aware of, of why this couple, Mr. and Mrs. L, in hindsight, why they were so mad um, was because they were insiders. When they were mad, I didn't understand it. I'm like, he just taught on Islam. I'm like, what's the big deal? But why they were mad is because they were insiders, and, and they knew Josh spoke out against that, um, I believe. Uh, so in the class, Josh spent just a little, I think, 20 minutes talking about the insider movement, but it really intrigued me. Um, so I had some questions for him, and, and I talked to him, and I said, hey, you were, the guy, you were the guy who taught at our church a couple months ago, right? He's like, yeah, and Josh is like doing his thing, you know, up front, and he's like, yeah, your church has two of the biggest insiders in the world, two people who are really strong advocates for it there. I'm like, really? I'm like, I didn't, so I'm like, that, you know, so that piqued my interest being, being a youth pastor there, um, that bothered me, you know, that we would support that. And so uh, I, I started to do some, uh, some digging. I studied uh, insider, the insider movement. I read every single thing this, this couple, mostly the, the wife, wrote. It's all publicly available on the internet, um, missionary journals. I read everything I could get my hands on that they had written because um, I, wanted, I wanted to see, see what they said. So I was intrigued by it, and then, then I was infuriated by it. Uh, I did my final project in, in Josh's class on Christian apologetics to Islam. I did my final uh, paper. It wasn't really a paper. It was kind of just like a, like a macro analysis of the insider movement for like a layperson, like a lecture guide kind of thing. I did that on the insider movement because, um, I don't know, I just felt very passionate about it. Uh, and this was, this was kind of opening the door opening the door a little bit. So when I felt like I was at least somewhat or decently educated on the issue, I emailed our elders. actually didn't even email them. I talked to one of our elders and I said, hey, are you aware that uh, Mr. and Mrs. L are into this insider movement thing? And he just blew me off the head, head of the elder board like, oh yeah, uh, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. That kind of thing. Like you and your doctrine, you and your theology. Um, so right away I was met with with opposition, and I was told to contact the couple myself. Uh, the head of our elder board, who's still at my former church, who still currently is the head of the elder board, told me verbatim, he said, this isn't really our problem to deal with as the elders. That's something you'll have to just talk to them about. So I said, have you read, you know, when Peter, First Peter 5, when he told the elders to shepherd the flock of God and exercise oversight? And um, So I, I, I couldn't believe it. He just said, that's just... The elder board, it's not our problem if some of our missionaries are, are engaging in what I, you know, I viewed as heretical. 
So out of a concern for the integrity of the gospel, I, e- I emailed Mr. and Mrs. L with about two pages of questions. I said, it's my understanding that you guys are into this, this, and this, that you guys are doing this, this, and this. I've read everything you've written that I can get my hands on. Um, and I, I'm just out of a concern for the integrity of the gospel. Uh, I have some concerns and some questions, and could you answer so it was just, I just had a series of questions and concerns and things that I emailed them because I genu- genuinely uh, wanted to know. Um, so they sent me back two documents. They sent me about one sentence in the email, in the reply that said something like, we too have a concern for the integrity of the gospel, so here, read this. And then they attached two documents to the email but didn't answer, directly didn't answer any of my questions um, but the documents that they attached were things that they had written, and those, those did, did pretty well to fill in the blank. So essentially, they blew me off. Um, and I wanted to say, just sorry, I was going to say it up front, but I had to pull up my notes because my computer died. Uh, my, today, I'm just, I just want to do two things. I want to tell you guys my story. It's not a, like a lecture, obviously, um, not reading a paper. I just want to tell, to make this story known, first of all, and the second thing I want to do is to, to let you guys know why we should be concerned about this in the local church. It's not just an idea. It's not just um, something we read about, but it's actually happening. And from an American local church perspective, I wanted to let you guys know about that. So what I did is I brought it back. I got, I got the emails. Um, I brought it back to the elder board. He was kind of, you, you know, like I called his bluff. He wasn't too happy that they had to deal with it now because they said, hey, I, I did what you said. I emailed Mr. and Mrs. L. Um, they didn't answer any of my questions, but they sent me even more stuff to read that I didn't have before. I think it wasn't published at the time, so, so now you guys have to deal with it. So I, I wouldn't drop it. I kept pressing the issue, so they finally put it on their, on their elder board uh, agenda. They put it on the, on, on the agenda. Um, I would do things. I was talking to uh, Casey and, and Erica. They're involved in youth ministry. I would do I don't know if youth pastors are just naturally like rebellious or if that's something that's bred into your blood, but I would even find myself teaching on it to, in the youth ministry, but, but using like, um, using terms that, you know, making it teenager friendly. Like there's some people out there who say you can be a Muslim and a Christian. Do you guys think that's right? You know, I'd, I'd say stuff like that and they're like, no, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So, you know, I wouldn't drop it. I wouldn't let it go. Um, but I, the elders said, hey, we're going we're gonna to bring them in um, and we're going to talk to them. And I think uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Um, so it was good. I wouldn't drop it. And the elders said, hey, we'll, we'll bring them in when they're on furlough. They're in India right now. When they come back, we're going to sit down and talk with them. Uh, so I was excited. I was excited about that because I said, hey, we finally... Are, are making progress here. Um, so what happened? They, they came back from furlough. Uh, of course, I wasn't allowed, none of the elders before I had mentioned it to them uh, had ever even heard of the insider movement. Our, our, our senior pastor did. He was aware of it. But of course, I wasn't allowed in the elder meeting with them because God forbid you have someone in there who actually studied it. Um, so they had a meeting with them and, and according to the to my senior pastor, he said it was good, bad, and ugly. And I said, for, for who? Or how does that work? Um, 
to make a very long story a little bit short, there was a lot of soft selling by them. They said, oh, we know we wrote that, and we know we spoke really harshly on that, but maybe we spoke a little bit too harshly, and we didn't really mean that. And they said, oh, we wrote that, but that, that was a long time ago. Um, and, you know, they kind of tried to backpedal and, and soft sell it a little bit, um, but they, they really didn't get anything accomplished at that meeting. They, they didn't get into the doctrine, the theology. They just got into surface level. You know, it was a two-hour meeting, seven to nine, and everyone had to go home and go to bed. So they really didn't get anything accomplished except saying, hey, we're concerned about this. And um, the result of that meeting was they wanted to have Mr. and Mrs. L write a paper, a position paper on what they believe about the insider movement. And that was, that was the result. And then from that, they would base whatever, they would take where they're going to go from there based on what they wrote. So I, so I was kind of mad because I said, why do we have to, why, why do you need them to write when they've already written so much on it? They've written pages and pages and pages and pages on it. We don't need them to write something else again. One of the things they wrote, this meeting happened in July. One of the things they wrote that was very, um, harsh and very adamant was in March, March, April, May, five, four or five months ago, they wrote, I'm like, they wrote, they just wrote it. We don't need them to write something else. So anyway, um, I was indirectly told, so you know, the results, I, I thought it wasn't enough. I thought they didn't do enough. So I was indirectly told not to teach on the insider movement. Uh, not directly, it was more like one of those, well, I heard I heard the elders say they don't want you talking about it. But I'm like, well, they never directly told me, so I can still talk about it. Um, they tabled it for future discussion, basically. They said, well, we'll let them, we'll let them go back to India. Uh, when they come back, maybe we'll talk about it again. You know, they didn't, they didn't really have a, uh, a plan. So in the meanwhile, while they tabled this insider thing for future discussion, in the meanwhile, we're still giving them um, almost $8,000 a year to propagate this. I couldn't get one penny for church planning, but we're going to shell out eight grand a year for, for this, this insider movement stuff. Um, one of the things they said in the meeting, Mr. and Mrs. L, uh, one of the things they said, they said, well, we're not really practicing it, so we don't even know how to start an insider movement. That's not what we're doing. Okay. Um, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. So, Nobody, so we dropped it for a couple of months. Nobody seemed to be as concerned as I was about, uh, as I was about the insider movement, which, which concerned me. Um, I think the meeting they had was kind of like, let's, appre let's appease Brian. He's really concerned. We'll meet with them, and then maybe he'll drop it. Then maybe he'll leave it alone. Um, yet, if we just leave something like that alone, if we let false doctrine, if we let those kind of things flourish in the church, we're withholding uh, God's blessing and outpouring on our church uh, body. God, God will not bless heresy. God will not bless church leadership that refuses to deal with heresy. Um, if a wolf, if you're a shepherd and you're shepherding your flock and there's a wolf that comes in, you don't give it a little bit of food and just say, let's see what the wolf does. You shoot the wolf, right? You have to protect your flock. You shoot the wolves. We're not called to be um, accepting of heresy and, and false teaching in the church. Um, so my wife and I, we talked about it, we prayed about it, we stopped giving. Uh, we stopped giving at our local church body, and we took that money and just funneled it into missionaries, like Compassion International. So we supported another, I'm not bragging, but like we supported another kid through like World Vision. I'm like, that's a better use of money because our money's indirect, 
we're financing like this insider movement that we completely disagree with. Um, we stopped giving out of a conviction that our church was uh, financing, the, financing the work of Satan, not the work of God. Um, and if the missionaries were practicing it or not, they still advocated it, they supported it, and they agreed with it. And as we all know, ideas have consequences. Whether they were or were not actually doing this in India, one, we don't know because we're not in India. Two, it doesn't matter if they're doing it because they're still putting the, the ideas out there and they have a lot of influence in their circles they run in. Um, so they're influencing other people and ideas have consequences. So a few, a few months went by. I, I kind of sat on it for a little bit. I said, well, let's see what happens. Uh, a few months went by and I spoke with our missions board head. We were after church one day. He was the head of the missions board. And I spoke with him, you know, eating kind of like this, like donuts and coffee. I'm like, hey, have you ever heard of... Uh, have you ever heard of the insider movement? And he's like, no, I've never heard of that. I'm like, he's like, what's that about? And I'm like, so I gave him just like a two minute, like basically it's boom, 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 boom. Just gave him a quick little rundown, like two minutes. And he's like, wow, that, that's happening right now? I'm like, yeah, you know, what, you know what the best part is? He's like, what? And I said, you're financing uh, two of the biggest advocates of it. Like you, we finance them at this church. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, can I come present to the missions board about it? And he's like, he was really hesitant uh, about that. So he said, well, um, okay, I think he said, this was on a Sunday, and he said, our next meeting's tomorrow night, so I don't know if you could have any. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. And he's like, oh, well, I only, we only have like 20 minutes. Could you do, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'll do 20 minutes. It ended up being 45 minutes. But um, so anyway, I, I, I thought if the missions board, I think I thought the missions board should know what they're financing, Right. Uh, it, was, it wasn't to undercut the elder board, even though I didn't agree with their approach. It wasn't to undercut our elder board, but it was to take information and put it in the hands of our missions board. Because if they're the ones who decide these things, I think they should know exactly what they're, what they're supporting. Um, so, so I got a last-minute slot at our, our missions board meeting, and I took it. Uh, I presented, I took part of my final lecture guide. I just kind of hit the main points from Josh's class, I took that and I presented to our missions board, basically saying, here's what the insider movement is, here's what it advocates, and I especially took quotes from Mr. and Mrs. L, who the missions board unknowingly, I mean, the missions board supported, who our church supported financially. I took almost all of their quotes, and I said, yeah, she said this, she, and I was met with kind of a semi-unreceptive maybe hostile. Two of the guys were brand new to the missions board. It was their first meeting, so they're just like, what are you talking about? And then uh, two of our elders were there. A couple congregants were there. A couple people really didn't want me there at all, and they, because they were friends with Mr. and Mrs. L for the last 30 years, and they didn't like me speaking. So I actually got called on, on a lot of the quotes. They'd be like, well, did she really say that? I'd be like, Here, you wanna, here's this source. I just printed this off the internet. You want to read it yourself? And they'd be like, well, she didn't really mean this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. Um, a couple of the things, a couple of the things they asked me, I wrote them down that night so I wouldn't forget them. Verbatim, why is this important? Um, so I related how uh, the insider movement allows disobedience to Christ and renders his atonement unnecessary if you can be saved in Islam. If you can be saved in Islam, why be a Christian? Why join the church? Um, this is a verbatim question they asked me. On the missions board, what if after becoming a Christian, there are not other believers with which to worship, so why can't they go to the mosque? So basically, well, if a Muslim person gets saved and they don't know 
which, you know, I've been to Turkey. Um, I've been to Tur- I went to Turkey for a summer, so I have a minute experience with that. A lot of Turkish believers, they don't, you know, they're kind of on their own. So she said, well, what if a Muslim gets saved and they don't know where to go to church? Why can't they just go to the mosque? And I okay, on the missions board asking me these questions, like I'm the bad guy for giving them this information. So I said, did Joseph hang around the Egyptian temples and worship creation? Did Elijah join uh, Baal worshipers? No, like um, it's a non sequitur. Like if you get saved, you're saved. If you get saved, you you know, I mean, I don't have to explain it to you guys. Uh, This one, this one was another question verbatim. Do they, Mr. and Mrs. L, actually implement this movement in the field? If not, what's wrong with it? What's the problem? Like, well, if they, one of the elders said, well, if they're not doing it, let's just assume that they aren't. They would like to. Maybe they don't even know how to get something like that going. He said, well, if they're not doing it, what's the problem? Uh, it's irrelevant. You know, it's irrelevant. They're leaders in missiology. They've taught these beliefs in their home, publicly, um, in colleges, in print, etc. So I told the mission, <laughs> I said this, I stole this from Greg Kokel. I think probably most of you guys know who he is. I said, what if I wrote, I told the missions board, what if I wrote down, I'm I'm the youth pastor here, I've been here for X many years, what if I wrote down publicly that it's okay to kick babies around the room for fun but never actually did it? Um, Would that be worthy of support? Would you back me? I I, I told them that ideas matter, that words matter, that concepts matter. Um, If Brian, the youth pastor, wrote down at the time, I think it's okay to kick babies around the room and I work at this church. Um, I probably wouldn't have a job for very long. Hey, I'm not kicking, ba- I didn't, I'm not doing it. I just said it's okay to do it. You know, words matter and ideas matter. Um, as I said earlier, ideas have consequences. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Inception. Have, who's seen it in the room? It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should go check it out. I saw it twice this summer. In the movie Inception, this is such a great quote. Uh, one of the main characters in the movie, he says, what is the most resilient parasite, bacteria, a virus, an intestinal worm, an idea, resilient and highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. Ideas matter, you know. Um, Words have meaning, the head of the missions board, when I was completely done, like, I'm done, thank you guys for your time, I'm going to pack up and go home, hang out with my kids. The head of the missions board asked me when I was done, this is what he said verbatim. Not like, thank you, Brian, for that information, we didn't know about that. He said, did somebody enlist you to do this? They were just so mad that I would even want to present to them about that. So he said, did somebody enlist you to do this? Um, nobody enlisted me to do it. I, I was actually kind of offended at that. I said, no, it's something I feel really strongly about. Uh, nobody put me up to it. I think maybe the Holy Spirit did. Um, out of a concern for the forward movement and integrity of the gospel and a concern for sound doctrine and a concern for wolves in the church, this presentation is vitally important. No one enlisted me to do it. Um, it's something, something that really matters. Um, I ended by telling them after that question, I thought I'd get a few more, few more jabs in. Uh, I ended by telling them that God will hold them and the elder board accountable for what they decide to do with God's money that people give to the church. I told them, we're not, my wife and I aren't giving anymore. I think if, if, if uh, people in our church knew 
what they were financing, a lot of them would stop giving. And I think there's couples I know who have stopped giving. And I said, you're taking God's money, not that God's broke or whatever, but you're taking money that people are giving for the work of God and you're, you're giving it to the work of Satan. I said, I just wanted to give you guys the information. The elders have it. They know about it. They're dealing with it. Now you guys know about it. I'm out of here in a month anyway. So have a nice night. Um, I told them, <laughs> yeah, so anyway. So after that was done, you'd think it would stop. And I'm, I'm, I'm winding down here. Then I'm going to get to in a couple minutes why we should be concerned about this, uh, especially in America and the local church, because it seems I love the brother who, sh- who shared yesterday who, who was a Muslim and he was part of the insider movement and he was in it because that, uh, I think it was like what Bill was saying, that takes it from, oh, it's just something that's happening and he brought it here and shared with us. So I'm trying to tell you guys, well, it's having effects here and I'm trying to share with you from inside the local church in America. <sighs> so when I, when I presented to the missions board, my, my pastor uh, was on vacation at the time and he came back and he had an email from, from our elder board and they were f- absolutely furious that I gave a presentation to the missions board. Absolutely furious. They said I was a, what did they say? Kind of like Sarah Palin talked. They said I was a renegade and I was going rogue and trying to undercut their authority, that type of thing. Um, which, like I said, was not the case at all. Uh, but anyway... The pastor, I got some, some emails that weren't favorable, some voicemails. Um, they were furious that I presented to the missions board without asking them first. Um, another couple at the church, my former church that I was at, another couple asked them, uh, a few of the elders, why they were so mad. And they said, well, um, they, what, it, what was it? They said, well, a lot of the things... A lot of the quotes Brian cited from Mr. and Mrs. L, particularly Mrs. L, a lot of the quotes he cited were really old. So, so we, weren't, we, weren't, we weren't happy about that. Two things, even if they were old, um, it doesn't matter. That has no effect on the truth of what they said. The second thing was most of the quotes I cited in my presentation to the elders and the missions board were only four months old. They were written in March 2010. Um, so that just wasn't true. And th- the other thing they said is a lot of the stuff Brian presented to us was not accurate. So this couple, uh, really awesome couple, they're still there. This couple said, well, what, what did Brian present that wasn't accurate? Because I was at his presentation. And he said, well, you know, just, you know, some stuff he said was not accurate. And he said, well, no, you made the claim. Now the burden of proof's on you. What did Brian say that was not accurate? Because if he said something that's not accurate, I think we should know about it. They couldn't, they didn't say one thing. They just said, well, just, you know, some stuff he said was, uh, you know, no, no reason. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I left, you know, I left there, uh, the church, you know, I, I just resigned my position a couple weeks ago. Um, I was leaving long before this stuff happened. Uh, we feel, my wife and I feel that God's called us to church planning, so we, we had had our resignation letter in months before any of this stuff happened, so it wasn't as a result of that. So, you know, we left there just this past summer being marginalized um, as the elder board, you know, kind of just, kind of just, uh, just put us in the margin there. Um, I was told by one elder, we can't just cut them off because they've been here a long time. Because I was saying, well, 
if someone's teaching heresy, why are we supporting that? He said, well, they've been here a long time. To which I said, quote, I said, well, if I, if I decide not to follow what we believe is God's calling us to, to plant a church, if I decide to stay here 10 more years, can I teach heresy in the youth room? Well, is that cool? If, if I stay here a long time, can I teach our teenagers heresy? Because that's pretty much what you're telling me um, that, that you guys are uh, supporting. Or if I said, if I preached a sermon here, which I did just a few weeks before this conversation happened, um, if I said the sermon I just preached, if I did that instead of saying God, if I used the word Allah, would that, would that fly in the church? Would you guys say anything or would you just, you know? Um, I said if we just did 5% of what Mr. and Mrs. L are advocating and what they're supporting, if I just did like 5% of that, you guys would fire me like that. But we're saying it's okay in the missions field, just not okay in the American local church. To which, finally, he actually said, yeah, I never really thought about it that way. So, um, a few people picked up the baton after I left, and hopefully Jesus will uh, move and purify his church. The only two times Jesus spoke of the word church in the New Testament was when he told Peter, I will build my church. And then in Matthew 18, when he talked about church discipline, Jesus builds his church, Jesus purifies his church. So my wife and I left, um, hoping that that's going to happen there. And, and if not, you know, in Revelation, Jesus said, I will remove your lampstand. Jesus is also in the business of closing down churches that are doing more harm than good. So, you know, we left it to God, God's sovereign, and, and, and he's going to He's going to work in and through his church, which brings me to, and I'll be on time, don't worry, which brings me to my, my second point, why we need to be concerned about this. Coming from someone who hasn't heard about the insider movement until this year, actually. I keep thinking it was last year. It was this year in, in January. Um, most elder boards, missions boards, pastors, and congregants in America, in the local church, have no idea what it is. Yet they're unknowingly financing missions and missionaries that are promoting syncretism, not the gospel. Christians must be unapologetically clear as to where our allegiance lies, and that's to Jesus and to his bride, to the church. You cannot be involved in worship at a mosque and be a Christian, in my conviction, at the same time. John Stott said, The Lord didn't add them to the church without saving them, and he didn't save them without adding them to the church. Salvation and church membership went together, and they still do. Jesus didn't save us to leave us in idolatry. He has called us out of darkness and into light. Timothy Tennant said the very word ecclesia means public assembly and speaks to the necessity of our Christian commitment being made visible. Ted Cluck uh, wrote a book. I'm actually reading the book right now with Kevin DeYoung called Why We Love the Church in Praise of Organized Religion and Institutions. Um, and he said, there's an organic connection between faith in Christ and being part of a church. The relationship is spelled out so beautifully in Ephesians 5. Just as a husband and wife at the altar become one flesh, you meet Christ at the cross and leave as one with his church. We can't love Jesus and, and, and not like his bride, right? Um, if we love Jesus, we're called to join his church in fellowship and worship. We're not called to hide. We're not called to put a lampshade over the lamp. We're called to be that city on a hill. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, the body of Christ takes up space on earth. The body of Christ can only be a visible body or else it is no body at all. Josh is huge, and I think most people in this room are really huge on the Great Commission. Jesus has called us to disciple, to baptize, to teach, 
And those things primarily happen in the context of the local church. Ed Stetzer says in his book, Planting Missional Churches, discipleship is the task of the New Testament church. Discipleship is not working when Christians must find their opportunities for spiritual growth outside of the church. In short, Stetzer writes, the Great Commission instructs us to evangelize and congregationalize people. And any, miss any missiology that advocates ideas that would catapult Christians back into slavery, in other words, sin and idolatry, Islamic Allah is not our God. Um, any missiology that advocates taking a Christian and throwing them back into that context is not from God, but it's from Satan. Um, Paul said, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We boldly proclaim Jesus as Christians. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Acts 19.8, Paul entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Simply put, any missionary that believes differently is not getting their marching orders from Jesus or from the scriptures. On the contrary, they're doing violence to scripture as well as the integrity and extension of the gospel. Conclusion. The solution to all this, my experience to all this, is that I found in the local church Nobody that I talk to, uh, except, except one of the pastors, our elder board, our missions board, nobody had any idea what the insider movement is, yet we're giving about eight grand a year to finance it with this particular couple, and I think there's a few more. Um, I think the solution to this is, is knowing the word of God. I think the solution is education, which is what this conference is all about. Um, we're all being educated. We're being built up. We're, we're increasing our knowledge regarding the insider movement. And then we have to confront, we have to confront this wherever we see it. We can't just know about it and keep it to ourselves. If this is going on, we have to confront it. Um, we, must con you know, we must contend for the gospel. We have to contend for the faith, like Jude said. Um, for, for those of you in this room who are pastors or elders or, or anyone who is in that capacity, or if you're looking at being in pastoral ministry or, or an elder of a church, it's imperative that you protect your flock. We have to protect our flock, whether it's in America, whether it's overseas. It's an imperative that if you're an elder or a pastor, you are given charge over the flock of God, and you have to protect that flock. Um, Titus 1, 7 through 11 Paul writes, For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced. Paul's telling his false teachers must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. As a shepherd, we don't feed the wolves. We don't tolerate the wolves. We don't give them wolf food as they walk around our flock. We don't support the wolves because they'll kill our flock. You shoot the wolves. False teaching heresy, it has to be silenced. Um, and we should be doing everything we can to combat it in the church. Christians need to know about this. They need to hear about it. They need to take action. 
And as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We, ref we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Um, let me pray, and then if you guys have questions, we have a little bit of time left. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes to you, from take, for taking us from darkness into light. I pray for myself and for everyone in this room that you would equip us, that you would give us wisdom and discernment and tact and boldness as we contend for the faith. I pray that we wouldn't be cowards, but that we would boldly proclaim the gospel. God, if that means broken relationships, if that means awkward conversations and situations, let it be, God, because it's not for us, but it's for the sake of the gospel. Thank you for saving us, God. Thank you for being sovereign, that you build your church, that you purify your church, not us, Lord. So we commit this, this whole thing, this whole conference, all the ideas, everything going on, um, all the situations, we commit it all to your hands and we trust you, Lord, with the preservation and the purification of your church, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So.